Open them to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. These were the words that Jesus preached when he began his earthly ministry in Galilee. It's recorded in Matthew chapter 4, almost like a street corner preacher. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. After that proclamation here, Jesus then moves on to call his first disciples, and they followed him. He told these men, I will make you fishers of men. And after he called them, he went throughout all Galilee, preaching in the synagogues, teaching in the synagogues, proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction among the people. Great crowds followed him. Many people flocked to him. And Jesus, looking out over the crowd, he went up on a mountain and he sat down and his disciples came to him. And he opened up his mouth. He opened his mouth and he taught them. On this mountain, he, he taught them as one who had authority. This authoritative teaching of Jesus that he gave to his disciples that day, that he gave to that crowd that day is known as the Sermon on the Mount. It's a sermon about the lifestyle of the kingdom. The kingdom of heaven. So what is this life? within the kingdom supposed to be like? What does kingdom lifestyle look like on this side of heaven? This fall, we're going to answer those questions as we work our way through the Sermon on the Mount. And the Sermon on the Mount is more than just the Beatitudes. It's more than just the Beatitudes. This sermon covers chapter 5, 6, and 7. Of Matthew. It's one big sermon divided up into three chapters. And so that means it's all connected. Can't isolate statements within these chapters. It's all one big sermon that Jesus preached. And in this sermon, he teaches us what life in the kingdom is supposed to be like for you and me on this side of glory. So if you have your Bibles, open them to Matthew chapter 5. We're going to look at verses 1 through 10 this morning. Seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and he sat down, and disciples came to him. He opened his mouth, and he taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in the spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the poor in heart, pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. 
Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Please pray with me. Father, as we come before your word, as we come to receive a word from you, we pray that your spirit would take what is preached and apply it to my heart, my heart, and apply it to the hearts of your people as well. I pray, Father, that that my pride and my self-reliance would be suppressed. The spirit would suppress, suppress it really, really low. And that you will be glorified. Your name will be great. That I will move out of the way. And that the spirit bring glory to your name. To your kingdom. And you will receive the praise, Father. As John the Baptist said, I must increase. You must, I must decrease. And you must increase in all things. Especially here. The preaching of your word. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. This week we're going to look at the the Beatitudes of the Kingdom or happiness in the Kingdom. This is how Jesus began the Sermon on the Mount. And the first blessing I want us to look at this morning is Kingdom citizenship. Citizenship within the Kingdom, which is seen in verses 1 in verses 2, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. I'm sorry, verse 3. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. In verse 10. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. The blessing in verses 3 and verse 10 is not being spiritually poor. The blessing is not being persecuted for righteousness' sake. The blessing is found in the phrase, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. The reason the spiritually poor are blessed, the reason those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake are blessed, is because theirs is the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom belongs to them. They are citizens within the kingdom of heaven. It's theirs. And notice that this phrase, so theirs in the kingdom of heaven is that it begins the first beatitude and it ends the beatitudes. Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. I like to think of it as two slices of bread on a nice club sandwich. Theirs is the kingdom here. And theirs is the kingdom here. And then y'all in the middle you have all the lettuce, the cheese, the, 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 the tomatoes, the meat. And you know you can't forget about the bacon. It's in there too. But in the top of that sandwich, for theirs is the kingdom. And in this sandwich, the bread is important. You got to have the bread if you want the sandwich. Meaning what? You have to be in the kingdom if you want the kingdom benefits. You have to be in the kingdom if you want the kingdom blessings. Citizenship within the kingdom is necessary. If you want all the perks that come with it. In other words, you've got to be a believer to get the benefits of being a believer. For only Christians can say, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Who else can say that? Can anyone else say that statement? And it be true? For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now what does that actually mean? 
I know this is the question that may be running through your minds. What what does it mean, kingdom of heaven? It refers to the sovereign rule of God the Father over all creation. His kingship. His lordship. His control. Jesus ushered in the present reality of this kingdom with his first coming. But it wasn't a full expression of the kingdom. One Christian said the kingdom has come. It is coming and it is to come. It was there when Jesus was exercising authority and it is here in us now. And yet it is still to come. It will come when this rule and reign of Christ will be established over the whole world. Even the physical in a physical and material sense. Revelations 11 says the kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of the Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. We know that that would be true when the second coming, when he comes back for the second time, the kingdom will come in all of its fullness, in all of his authority will we establish over everything. And yet, the kingdom is still present, a present reality to it. You see, as believers, there, there's an already and not yet of the kingdom that all believers experience on this side of heaven. If you are a Christian, you experience the kingdom here, in the here and now, but not in its fullness. That's still to come. It's the already and not yet. Notice how the blessing is written. Notice what it says, for theirs is the kingdom. It doesn't say the kingdom shall be theirs which would imply something in the distant future. It says in the present tense, the kingdom is yours. If you have accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, then you are presently a citizen of God's kingdom in the here and now. It's yours. You don't have to wait on it. Luke 17, 21 says, For the kingdom of God is in you. Philippians 3, 20 Our citizenship is in heaven. Colossians 1.13 says, He delivered us from the dominion of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of His beloved Son. It's yours. All believers are presently adopted into God's kingdom by the Lord Jesus Christ. And in this kingdom, there is no such thing as green cards or work visas. There is not temporary citizenship. It's permanent citizenship. It's yours. You don't lose it. He's given it to you as a gift. You are permanently a king. You are permanently in God's kingdom through Christ. Many people in our country, maybe even some of you in this room, have what is called dual citizenship. And what's dual citizenship? It's a person who who's a citizen of more than one country. Many countries, including our own, it allows people to have dual citizenship. But the kingdom of God does not. The kingdom of God does not allow us to have dual citizenship. You're either in or you're out. You can't have one foot in on Sunday, then Monday through Saturday, you're out. You're either in Monday through Sunday. Are you out Monday through Sunday? Where are you this morning? 
as a believer? Are you a believer? And if you are a believer, where are you? Are you living as though you have dual citizenship? I'm a citizen of the kingdom at times, and then I'm a citizen of the world at times. It depends on how I'm feeling today. Where are you? How can you know where you are? Here's how. You see, what comes with the blessings of the kingdom, like citizenship, are marks of the kingdom that is produced in us. If you are a citizen of God's kingdom, you're going to have certain marks that are produced in you. You're going to have character that is produced in you. I mean, citizens of the kingdom will have a kingdom character. And we don't produce these things in ourselves. These character marks are not talking about our natural character or our natural disposition. But these are characteristics that are a result of grace. These marks are a result of grace that are produced in us by the Holy Spirit. And all believers have them, not just some. All believers, I don't care what denomination you're part of or what theology you hold to, every believer will have these marks. If you're a Baptist, Presbyterian, or whatever, you will have these marks produced in you by the Holy Spirit. These kingdom marks, kingdom character, it changes, it changes our being, B-E-I-N-G, and it, sh- it changes our doing, D-O-I-N-G. What's the first thing that's produced in us? It changes our being. That's what we see in verse 3. You see, poor in spirit, or spiritually poor, is not talking about being materially poor. Most people read that verse and they think that's what it's talking about. Blessed are the materially poor, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. It's not talking about that. It's not talking about having low self-esteem. It's not talking about you know, the, 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 the things that come over you when life gets hard and those circumstances that make you feel poor in spirit. No, it's talking about your being. This is who you are before the Father. You're spiritually poor. It's a mark of the kingdom that all believers should have. That when you're before the throne of God, you see your spiritually bankrupt, your spiritually poverty. That you cannot work yourself in the kingdom. The kingdom was given to you as a gift. You have nothing to offer. That's what he's talking about. Blessed are those who have nothing to offer the Father, for theirs is the kingdom. Because the kingdom has been given to you, not because of you, but because of Christ. It's a free gift that is eternally secure. Happy are those who continue to abandon their attempt to offer their filthy rags to the Father. You know what a filthy rag is? It's your good works. Happy are those who continue to abandon their attempts to offer their filthy rags to the Father for a favor that they already have. Think about that. You're not happy when you're offering your filthy rags to him because you don't have enough to offer. They're filthy. But Jesus says, happy if you no longer try to do that because you already have it. For theirs is the kingdom. Are you happy this morning? If you're offering your filthy rags for approval, you're not. I guarantee you. You live on the oppression. You beat yourself up. 
Because I'm here to tell you, abandon that. Continue to abandon that. Then blessed are you. Happy are you when you live within the favor that you already have. Happy are those who continue to accept. I'm sorry. Happy are those who continue to abandon their attempts to fix the spiritual poverty. Do you try to fix yourself? See, we don't like being needy. But poor in spirit, that's what it's talking about. Needy. Codependent and needy. That's a kingdom mark. We don't like codependent people because they're so needy. But the Father loves them. Know that. We don't like them, but the Father loves them. Because we see, we see, our, he's, we see our need of him. We are humble before him. But happy are those who abandon their attempt to fix their own spiritual poverty. Happy are those who continue to embrace and accept their spiritual poverty as a mark of the kingdom. As a mark of the kingdom. See, all you need is nothing, but not many people have it. All you need is nothing, but not many people have it. Because we want to always want something to bring. We want to always have something to offer. But the Father says all you need is nothing. And the kingdom is yours. It's yours. Poor in spirit. This humility, this disposition before the Father is produced in us. By the Spirit. Through grace. And when, when it's been produced in us, well, it squeezes out our pride. It squeezes out our self-reliance, our self-righteousness, and our boasting in ourselves. It squeezes it out like a lemon. It's not mine. It's not me. It's the Father. Squeeze my pride. Squeeze my self-righteousness. Drain every drop of it out of me. And guess what? It ain't going to happen to Glory. So don't think it's going to lead you. He listened to one sermon and all of a sudden it's going to be good. The squeezing is goes throughout your lifetime. And sometimes it hurt, but it's good for you. It's good for you. You see, our spiritual poverty is about our continued need for Christ. Not just for salvation. Most people read that and think it's just for salvation. Are you just spiritually poor at salvation? Or you just needy at salvation? No, it's a, you always need it before the Father. You're never going to be able to have anything to offer. We're all just given to us. You grow in this. The Spirit produces this in you. You grow in your poorness of spirit by looking at Jesus, praying to Jesus, depending upon Jesus, and resting on Him. The, the words of old hymn says, Nothing in my hands I bring. Simply to thy cross we cling. Naked we come to thee for dress. Helpless we look to thee for grace. Foul we, foul we fly to the foul we to the fountain fly. Wash us, Savior, or what? We die. That's the Christian life. Always going to Jesus. Only those who are content in being spiritually poor can say that and be happy. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 8 9, For you know that the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake became poor, 
Mm. Is that good news to you? Though you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, when was he rich? Internally, when he was with the Father. And when did he become poor? When in the incarnation. He became poor. You realize that. He became poor when he became man. In his death upon the cross. And guess what else he says here? And that by his poverty you might become rich. Mm. Mm. By his poverty we might become rich. So what does that mean, Alex? It means our spirit, we are spiritually rich in Jesus. Even though, we are, even though we are spiritually poor within ourselves. We are spiritually rich in him. And the riches that come to us, kingdom citizenship is a blessing. It's part of us being rich in Christ. Because we don't get there without him. That's how we've been rich. Salvation, the kingdom, and all of his benefits to us are our riches in Christ. Offering nothing and yet giving everything. You offer nothing and yet you're giving everything. Do you know that? Do you live that way with that type of power that you have everything you ever need in Christ? That you have a father that you no longer have to work for, but you have all of his approval, all of his acceptance. He's given to you. All you got to do is receive it and rest. Are you resting? Last week, we, we had a staycation, me and my family. And we spent time exploring the great city of Huntsville. So doing things we haven't really done before. There's a lot of things here we haven't done. So one of the things we did, we took the kids out to Cathedral Caverns. And we went through. This is our first time being inside of a cave. And it was awesome. It was cold and wet. But, you know, it was good. It was a good experience for us. I had a really good time. And if anything, you know, anything about a cave, it's cold and it's wet. And, And if you didn't have any lights... In the cave, you can't see anything. And so we had, so we went through the cave with a bunch of other people. We had a good tour guide, and he did a great job um, taking us through. And in the same way, apart from the redeeming blood of Christ, our soul, our heart, is like a dark, cold, wet cave. You know that, right? That's who we were before Christ, spiritually. A dark, cold, wet cave with no lights inside complete darkness even though your eyes are open you're still blind you can't see anything it wasn't until the christ shined his light of the gospel inside of you and you received it in saving faith that he brought lightness to your life for every believer that's that happened to every believer before christ you were dark dead spiritually and he came and brought you life in the spirit he's given you to be your true God throughout this life. That's what he's done for us. And once you receive him in saving faith, that light, that light of the gospel, it, it does never grows dim, but it grows bigger and brighter, bigger and brighter throughout your life. Your view of Christ should grow, increase. You should grow more independent upon him, not less. Looking at him more and looking less at yourself. In the spirit, 
grows these things in us, produces these things in us. It changes us from the inside out. What did Jesus say? From the overflow of the heart comes all sorts of things. And the Spirit is working in our hearts this attitude of being spiritually poor before the Father. Resting and depending upon Him. And eventually, that stuff works itself out in the way you live your life. But it always starts here. From the overflow of our heart, we live for the kingdom. We do for the kingdom. And this is what verse 10 here, I think, is talking about. Blessed are you when others, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Persecuted for righteousness sake is talking about doing something. You've been persecuted from doing something. What does this mean? For righteousness sake simply means being like Christ in every area of your life. Living like Christ. Loving like Christ. Serving like Christ. Living under influences of His Lordship throughout your life. So remember, the two slices of bread of the kingdom here. Our being has changed. And the way you live has changed as well. But the first one, always the heart, is always God's focus. Because He knows if He has your heart, Certain things will overflow from that in the way you live your life, in the way you treat your friends, in the way you treat your neighbors. You see, citizens of the kingdom act and live like citizens of the kingdom. As a believer, all of us as believers are ambassadors of God's kingdom. Do you know that? You are ambassador of God's kingdom wherever you are in life, whatever position you are in. You're supposed to represent him. His kingdom on earth. You realize the lost world looked to us to learn about Christ. You realize that, don't you? Jesus, we're the only Jesus they're going to see is the Him that lives in us. And when we're working, and when we're in school, and when we're serving, who are we representing? There, we don't represent the village church. We don't represent Presbyterianism. We don't represent all these other denominations. We represent Christ wherever we go. His kingdom. His business. Jesus said, I'm always about the business of who? Father. I always do what pleases my Father. That should be us. Being like Christ, again, is produced in us through the Holy Spirit, through grace. And we don't do it ourselves. It's produced in us. And it's talking about, I think, living with integrity. Living with integrity wherever you are. Kingdom integrity. How is that looking? Paul says in 1 Corinthians 4.10, For the kingdom of God does not consist in talk, but in power. The kingdom gradually will spread through every area of your life. And you will begin to be like Christ in how you spend your money, in your view of material possessions, in your jobs, in your family, in your view of race, your view of government, your view of culture, your view of education. This is what I'm talking about. The kingdom shapes our view in all those things. It will. And 2 Timothy 3, 12 says, Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ 
will be persecuted. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake. So Jesus knows that if, for his disciples who, who are going to be living for him, they're going to meet resistance. You will face persecution. But you are blessed. For yours is the kingdom. In Christ. You see, the kingdom of God is countercultural. It's countercultural. And the believers within that kingdom also are countercultural because of that. Because of that. Nothing in the culture should be influencing us. We should influence culture because of who we are. Because the power that lives within us through God's spirit. You see, in the broken and fallen world in which we live, there are going to be those who don't like that. There are going to be those who persecute us because of who we are. Jesus said, they hated me first. And they're going to, you know what comes after that? Don't be surprised, they hate you too. Because they hated me first. And so when we represent the kingdom in all these different areas of our life, you may, meet, you may meet some resistance. And guess what? Don't be surprised by it. But blessed are you, for yours is the kingdom of heaven. But guess what? Jesus also said, I've overcome the world. And so through him, we have too. And so as we're going out and engaging in, in, in the different things that we engage in, whether or not, whether it's education or government, wherever it is that you serve or if you own your own business, represent God. You represent Christ. You represent him in all that we do. And the spirit produces those things in us. So don't go out here and lead, come up with all these different rules you got to do when you leave here. Go to the spirit. Say, spirit, I work in a job where it's hard for me to represent. Please give me the power to represent. Give me the power to stand firm on my convictions, to do what is right, not to compromise, but to stand up on kingdom principles and wherever I am. And he will. He'll give those to you because he produces those things in us. Recently, I've, I've been getting these emails from this organization. I guess it's a Christian organization. And I read it, and... I think it's funny. So I'm going to read you what this organization says about itself. It says, blank, blank organization exists to help America return to our founding father's vision for a Christian republic. America was once a light to the world, a place that God blessed with liberty and prosperity. Today, Americans are taught that the almighty state has all the answers. As a result, our God-given liberties are being traded for an imaginary sense of security. It is our vision to see Americans once again recognize that we are endowed by our creator with certain unalienable rights and that his creator is the God of the Bible. What's wrong with that statement? Do you think anything wrong with it? What's wrong with it? There's some truth there, but what's wrong with it? Is anything in this world a Christian republic? 
Is there any country in this world a Christian republic? Will there ever be a Christian republic in this world? The only thing that may be close to that is the church. But there is no, go- there is no country that God has specially ordained to be a Christian republic. No. Never will be. This is what happens when believers mix and match their Christianity with the world. This is stuff, that's the kind of stuff that comes out of it. All of a sudden, my organization agenda has become God's agenda. All of a sudden, my political stance has become God's political stance. The kingdom does not mix and match with anything. It's not needy. It stands above everything else. You know the song, Farmer in the Dale? The kingdom stands alone. The kingdom stands alone. It's not mixed and matched with anything else. It influences everything else. Through us. Through you and me. It influences the world. It brings light where there's darkness. It changes communities. Look at this ministry. You think this has happened because of us? It's happened because God's spirit is at work. Is at work. This is what we're talking about. This is what happens when the kingdom goes out. It changes things. It engages. It fights. The kingdom stands alone. Let us pray. Father God, I thank you for the blessing of kingdom citizenship that as a believer, as Christians, as followers of Christ, we experience those blessings here on earth. No, not in their fullness, because we live in a fallen, broken world, and in a fallen, broken world, things happen. We still battle sin. We still fall short. So there's never going to be perfection here. And you know that. You're not blind by that. Christ died because of that. Your word says that you are mindful that we are but dust. We're the only ones that forget it. So, Father, as we go out, producing us this humility, Father, to embrace our spiritual poverty before you, knowing that we are rich in Christ and not in ourselves. And also, Lord, give us integrity as we go out and live in our roles as fathers and mothers or parents or childs or students or employees or employers. Give us character. Give us integrity in all the different things that you have called us to and how we live our life here. Even though we're not going to be perfect, but you can have integrity and not be perfect. So we're not talking about perfection here. So producing us, Lord, those things that we cannot produce in ourselves. In Christ's name I pray. Amen.